Welcome everyone to Inside the Cylinder, episode 110. That's 110. I am joined, as always, by my hoop-loving co-host, Matt Way. Matt, how are you doing as we kind of hit this end of the season stretch here david i'm 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 doing great you know couldn't can't be more excited for this this exciting 18 game stretch we have for the detroit pistons coming <laughs> up um it's uh I, you know we were talking right before we started recording i definitely it definitely feels like we're we're hitting the, the wall um in in the season i think that's not just for teams that are losing um if you're not if you're not fighting for a playoff spot, that's kind of where you're at uh, right now, I think. Yeah, my even though the Pistons definitely aren't going to be in the playoffs, I think my mind as just a general basketball fan is most excited for the playoffs. I, I'm really I love that time. I love like the first round when there's just a game on at all hours. You know, it's definitely a great time if you're uh, a junkie like ourselves when it comes to to the NBA, but um, it's a little bit weird too because there's also this like finality of like the season coming up where it's like the Pistons aren't going to play a game for months, and we just went off, just came back from a really long stint where the Pistons didn't play any games, so there is this sort of like. Yeah, I, I want to watch these games, but it's been a really long season, so it's kind of hard to sort of balance that all. I mean, I'm going to watch almost all of the games anyways, but just in my excitement level, it's like you want to kind of savor it because you're not going to get it for so much long, you know, for the the entire summer months, you know, the beginning of the fall months, obviously, until the NBA returns. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still like been a slog of a season, and this is really kind of you're really having to like find avenues to be excited about when you're watching any given game too for sure we'll we'll miss it after after a couple weeks that's kind of how these things work you know i'm i'm a big golfer and like i feel the same way at the end of the golf season where i'm just kind of ready for it to be over because i golfed way too much that that season and then like a month later i'm just missing it a lot, but fortunately, the 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 NBA and the the golf season, at least in Michigan, kind of uh, cover each other. Um, but we haven't we haven't talked about the Pistons in a in a couple of weeks. Last week we we talked about the NBA draft with Adam Spinella. If you haven't checked that out, please go do. Adam was just killer on that episode. Um, anything you want to know, especially about the the first round, early the lottery picks, um, Adam covered for us. So we haven't talked about the the games in the last couple of weeks. Um, the Pistons have actually gone three and five in the last two weeks with wins over Washington, Oklahoma City, and Sacramento. Then they did lose the, the five games they lost were to Portland twice, the Knicks, Denver, and the Clippers. Clear disparities between the quality of their wins, the, the teams that they beat, and the teams they lost to. Um, any thoughts? Just just generally about the last couple of weeks of Pistons basketball, David? I mean, I would say if you haven't watched many of the games recently, and uh, I'm not going to shame anyone for deciding to spend a couple hours on a weekend night or, or weekday night uh, pursuing other things. But what I will say is that you are starting to see some of these like true young core lineups that we were talking about that we – have wanted to see. You're seeing seeing more players, more of like the young guys, just get extended minutes. You're seeing them 
thrown out there in situations, sort of win or lose. If, if they're playing well, they're going to sort of ride it out. If they're not playing well, Dwayne Casey is giving them a little bit longer of a leash. So what I've enjoyed from that perspective is just being able to sort of evaluate some of these guys and pencil them in for uh, next season uh, and what their roles might be moving forward. That's more of like a general sense is that, okay, you really are just giving an extremely long look at these guys. So, you know, it's a good time just to sort of, I don't know, just think about roster building and who's going to be here next season. There's a few players that we're not necessarily sure if they're going to come back or not. Frank Jackson has looked pretty well. He's been shooting the ball lights out recently. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. He's been sort of the same situation as he's been in all season, playing well some games, not playing as well in other games. Uh, uh, Tyler Cook has uh, signed on with the Pistons for the rest of the season. So kind of seeing what it is that he's going to bring in from a night-by-night basis. So that's really what I've been looking for, just as like holistically speaking, when it's been these last couple of weeks of games, Matt. How about yourself? Yeah, I've been thinking about that that same thing. Um, And we're starting to see it really play out. You know, there was a lot of, I think, concern about, Seku not playing many minutes when Tyler Cook was. Um, and Tyler Cook, you know, I, I understand why the Pistons did it. They wanted to get the looks in while he was still on his 10-day contracts. He gets signed to a regular deal, and now he's kind of sitting on the bench because they know that he's going to be on the roster next year. So where do, where do they go instead? They go to Seku, and, and we've seen Seku – get some more extended minutes relative to what he has throughout this season. Um, and we, you know, we've seen like Dennis Smith jr. Has played a little less, I think recently. I don't know if that means that, you know, maybe he is not as uh, not a part of the the future anymore. Um, maybe they're, they're thinking they're not going to resign him. We've seen some really good play from Frank Jackson, um, who maybe has earned himself, uh, a look next year if they can if they can agree on a, a contract. Um, so we're seeing a lot of a lot of cool things. I think just kind of getting some insight into the mindsets of Dwayne Casey and and Troy Weaver. Um, yeah, I want to just you know I think that was one of the most surprising players. And we're going to talk more about uh, Killian Hayes, obviously, who we haven't spoken about since he's returned uh, in, in a little bit here. But uh, so we're not just. <laughs> Forgetting that he exists on this team, uh, but uh, Frank Jackson, man, I, that he's been the most surprising element of this team recently because it really looked like in February that not only was he not going to get much much more looks from from the Pistons, uh, he was like the last man in the rotation. It was looking kind of bleak for him for next season in the NBA. Now, guys go overseas, they come back. You know, it's not like a a death sentence by any means. But it was looking bad for him. And the way that – in the game against the Clippers most recently uh, from Sunday night, he had 16 points in 23 minutes. You know, he's just been shooting the ball lights out. He's been automatic from the corners. He's really, really impressed me to where you and I have talked about on recent episodes how – much this team does need shooting. Frank Jackson is not going to be an expensive option if that's the option that they decide to go 
uh, with moving forward. But just his ability to sort of say, hey, guys, remember me. I'm still on this team and I'm still an NBA quality player has been honestly really, really impressive. And and it is sort of a, a, a bright spot, a small bright spot, just knowing that he, at least if he can keep this up, will definitely address one of those primary needs that Detroit has going into the offseason. Uh, he, dude, he's just been like an absolute flamethrower. It's It's been wild because he was not a good – he was a bad shooter his first two years. He was he shot 31% as a rookie, 32% um, his sophomore season, and, and these are from, from three-point. Um, and now he's shooting 40, almost 42% on 10 attempts per 100 possessions, like so high volume. Um, and he just looks so good doing it. The defense has actually somehow been quite good with him on the floor. The, the defense is like seven points better um, per 100 possessions with him on the floor, which is probably a lot of noise, but – you know, it, it says something that they've at least been able to withstand opposing offenses with him on the floor um, because he's he, he's just undersized and it's easy to shoot over him. Um, but they've they've done fine. And, and I actually I think Dwayne Keatsy mentioned it the other night um, that that they're just better with him on the floor defensively. And they, they have a positive net rating with him overall. Um, it's it's. It's just a, a wild story for Frank Jackson. I not at all what I expected from him this year. Twenty-two years old too, so he he's certainly one of those guys that fits that sort of timeline that we've talked about. Uh, he is, I think he's was about like a one point seven or one point five million dollar contract this season. So d- uh, he will be gettable if Detroit decides that that's the the way that they want to go. Uh, should we move it on though, Matt, to, to, uh, or do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to mention about what you've seen from the Pistons in, in the last couple of weeks? No, I think we need to, I think we need to talk about, uh, the, uh, the guy that everyone wants to hear about and that's, uh, Killian Hayes. He's, he's returned, um, played the last couple of weeks. He, he's rested, I think twice in that, in that span, which isn't surprising, um, to my eyes, he's looked healthy though, which is, is probably the number one most important thing. Um, but I've also thought that he's, he's played pretty well. He, he's certainly been better than his, his seven game stretch early in the season was, um, what, what have you seen, uh, from, from Killian Hayes, David, have you, have you liked what, you, what, uh, what he's done on the court? Yeah, I think, and I'm going to get into this, uh, I guess more in like a, in, a molecular standpoint, but he's, you're seeing everything from him. You're seeing it in like small sample sizes. So some nights he'll have like two or three aspects of his game that you're really excited about going. Some nights he won't have much rolling at all, but all in all, when it comes to what I've seen from Killian Hayes in general, I've been pretty happy with it. Uh, just as a reminder to people, when he his first like six and a half games, whatever you want to call it, seven games of the season so far, uh, or when this season started, he was shooting. Uh, he scored four point six point per games on twenty eight, twenty five, and fifty shooting splits. Like that is atrocious. Now we weren't concerned about that because it was so early. Uh, you know, there was no uh, extended training camp. Everything was sort of rushed from 
the there was a one month in between him being drafted and then him playing an NBA game. So uh, there was certainly a, a lot of of other reasons that could have gone into that start. But just in his four games back, his his points are up. I mean, not much. Five point five points, three point five rebounds, three points, three assists, one point three steals, a block. But he's shooting forty one percent from the field, which is still not great. But it's way more respectable than twenty eight percent from the field. And he's shooting 29% from three, which is also an improvement. So even statistically speaking, not just from a sense of what I've been seeing him do on the court, he has been just a a, a slightly, and in some regards, a much more efficient player, which is all positive signs for Killian Hayes, including what you said, Matt, that, that he has looked healthy so far. So, so David, one of the the things that I've really liked, um, and, and it it goes to kind of your point about offense, his his offense, and and the improvements we've seen. I've really liked that he's been hunting for his own shot a little bit more. Um, he's he's still, I mean, we know he's a pass first guy generally. That's probably all, what he'll always be. But you do want to see him look for his own shot a little bit more than he did early on in in the first six seven games. And, and we saw that, um, I thought, especially against the, the Thunder, when he, he scored nine points, he got to the got to the rim with a nice little um, bank shot, uh, layup type type of type of shot that, that he made. Um, he he hit some floaters. He's just like smoother doing it too. Um, you know, he, he continues to make really good reads, really good passes, and play really good defense for what you would expect given his age and given that he's a rookie. Um, I continue to just be so impressed with his team defense, his, his general basketball IQ on both ends of the floor. Um, there's, there's just been long stretches when, when he's been in where he's frankly looked like the best defender on the floor for the Pistons. Um, you know, and especially with Jeremy Grant not playing in uh, many of those games. Um, so I, I've, I've been really encouraged by Killian. Um, there's still stuff to work on. Obviously, he had a couple. He's, he's he hasn't looked as good against good teams, which isn't surprising. Um, you know, the roster's a, a, a little banged up right now, and so he hasn't had the most help. Um, I would like to see him get some more minutes without another ball handler on the floor. Um, I understand wanting to ease him in. I, th- I think. Right now, maybe you want to let him loose a little bit more, see what he can do in these last 18 games um, without Corey Joseph or or someone like that um, alongside him and, and just really, really kind of give him the keys to the offense. Yeah, I don't see that there, there would be any uh, – I don't think anyone would have any issue with that, honestly. Uh, and uh, I, I just want to go back to what you were saying about what you've seen from his game on the offensive side of the floor. What what I like that I've seen is his patience with the ball. He's really picked his spots to attack well. Like he's not forcing it. He's taking what the defense is giving him, and he's finishing much more consistently in the lane uh, as of late. Some of those shots are, are seem to be like a confidence thing. Like when it was the beginning of the season, you would see he, he would find his way in the lane and he would throw up a floater in a little bit more of like a rushed scenario. Now you could just see that he's much more in control 
and he's able to just get a cleaner look up, a more confident look, and it's been falling because of that. So that's just definitely something that you won't, you're going to want to keep your eye on as the season continues. Uh, I love some of the passes that I've been seeing from him. You know, you can go back to the the Thunder game where he had that lob to Diallo when he was just chilling beyond the three-point line. He had a nice kick out to Sekou, uh, who hit a three in that same game. Uh, you're starting to see some of, like, the brilliance in his passing. Not that every single one of them has connected. Even on some of the the some of his passes that have gotten deflected or where he, he definitely might have gone for a little too much. The fact that he sees certain things that that you that will eventually connect um, is really exciting just because, as you mentioned, Matt, he is probably going to be more of like a pass-first type of guy moving forward. But if you're able to string together some of these you know pretty crazy passes to get your players super, super easy looks, and that's just great for any team's offense. So, yeah, there's a lot that I've liked about Killian Hayes. It's just more so for him being able to put it all together uh, for a game-by-game stretch. He's played in four games so far since his return. He's looked really good in two of the games, and he's looked you know, not as inspiring in the other two games. So um, it's just more about consistency for him. But at, at the same time, there's no real pressure right now. It's just about hoping to see more and more positive things as the season continues. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see how he looks when he really gets up to speed with, you know, NBA game speed, because I think that's the biggest issue you've seen at times with his passing and just his offense in general is he, he definitely underestimates how quickly passing lanes can close um, and that sort of thing. And that's just being a rookie and not being used to, to playing with these sort of athletes. Um, you know, having it had a, a with an off season to to practice, to watch film, and and to just kind of think about what he's seen in these, you know, the, this end of the season, um, both on the floor and, and when he's watching on the bench. Um, I, I'm really excited to see what he does next year um, when he when he has kind of more experience in that regard. It's uh, it, it's 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 tough. To, for any rookie, um, unless you're like LaMelo Ball, to, to just kind of automatically get up to speed with the game and and know what passes are there, what shots are there, what lanes are there, what and which ones aren't. Um, and it's been especially hard for Killian with this this injury and having his, his season cut so short and split into two. Um, so I, I think next season is, is the season that you're going to be able to start to judge a little better what the Pistons have, you know, it's still, he's still going to be very young then, but I think you're going to have a a better idea of what Killian Hayes' future looks like um, after, after another full season, hopefully a full season. For sure. He went from drafted one month later, playing basketball, seven games in injures hip has to deal with the whole surgery rehab situation, misses 41 straight games, comes back for some games on, some games off, doesn't really know who he's going to be playing alongside for the last four games. So if you could have pictured a more tumultuous start to someone's season, um, I uh, don't think you would have. 
So uh, all in all, it's been you're seeing flashes from him, which is all that we're really looking for right now. Uh, But let's move on. I know that you wanted to talk a little bit more about your boy. And these are both of our guys that we had picked for uh, some, I guess, comeback types of performances, some performances that are really going to have us excited about this team moving forward. And that is the one and only Sekou Dimboya. Um, You know, he has played better as of lately. But uh, I just want to kind of get your thoughts since he is, you know, th- this is the guy that you're going to ride with for the, for your bold prote- prediction. Uh, what your thoughts are on him from how he's played in the last, I don't know, couple of weeks. It's the last couple of weeks since he's actually started to play more consistently and looked okay in some games and then not so okay in some others. Matt, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, so I've I've liked what we've seen from Seku over the last week or two. Um, it's kind of what I envisioned when I was talking about, you know, seeing this stretch from Seku in the second half, where he kind of reminds us of just how excited, um, you know, we we can be about his future. Um, he has been really good driving to the hole. I think you know you don't see him really just running into guys like he did last year or, or even earlier this year. Um, it's not always perfect. It's not always pretty, but he's been pretty effective. He, he's been using his body well um, around the rim on, on rebounds, and, and he's been successful really on offensive and defensive rebounds, getting the ball back up on, on the offensive boards and just grabbing the defensive board and going and beating everyone down the court. Um We've seen some, some definitely some flashes from him defensively. There's, there's still plenty of lapses, and he's he's got to work to cut those out. But I think he's been better defensively too. I'm sure getting consistent minutes is part of that. Um, you know, I'd also be curious just to hear from Seiko himself on what impact him sitting has had on on all of this. Um, you know, there there's been a lot of a lot of people on both sides of the fence. Do you sit him? Do you, does he have to earn his minutes? Um, you know, I'm, I'm strongly of the opinion that you can learn, you can develop even when you're not on the floor for 20 minutes a game. And you know, I think we're seeing some of that, um, that, you know, he can, they can motivate him in different ways. They can put some pressure on him with the Tyler Cook signing the Tyler Cook minutes. And frankly, he's, he's come in and, and really responded. And, and that's to his credit. Um, that's not something that everyone is just automatically going to do. And, and I'm not saying he's been perfect over the last couple of weeks, but I, I think he's done well under the circumstances. I think it also might be worth noting that he might've thought that he was going to be traded. He's seen what Troy Weaver has done with this roster uh, leading up to, uh, or just throughout the course of, of uh, Weaver's tenure and the trade deadline has come and gone, which I know lots of guys, uh, you hear from them throughout uh, just uh, f- during that that time period, how it is stressful uh, that you don't know if you're going to be sticking with the team. So that also could have had something to do with it where it's like, OK, I'm actually going to be st- staying around. Um, not that he really should have worried because his trade value wasn't all that high. 
Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, he's going to be able to to stick with the team that drafted him and he'll be there for at least another year, you know, come the trade deadline. So uh, I think that that's certainly something that uh, 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 might have sort of eased his tension. Um, what I've liked from him is that he's been – you mentioned it a little bit. He's been pushing the ball more in transition, and that's what we where we really love to see Seku. Uh, he his handle has looked pretty solid. You mentioned him, Matt. He's he's done a good job of like getting out of the way and not just running into guys and um, you know drawing and, and having them draw a charge. Uh, so th- there's been a lot of positives. You know that coast to coast Seku has been awesome. It's been something that's gotten me out of my seat every time I've seen it over the last uh, few games. But uh, the one thing is with, with Seku is that the three just seems like something that is going to come and go his whole career. Like he's clearly not a, a knockdown shooter. Some games he has it. Some games it's just Brick City. And it's a shame because a lot like Josh Jackson, when he gets that first one to fall, it just seems like he opens up his entire game and he's more confident doing the things that he's actually good at. Uh, but he has been put in this position a lot like as we had mentioned before with Stanley Johnson where he is sort of that guy sometimes that's just going to be chilling out at beyond the three-point line and he might get the ball with three seconds left on the shot clock and he's the one who's forcing it up just because he's not as confident with making maybe like a, a singular like directional move to get a better look. Um, so that's just the one thing where – it's just something he's going to have to continue to work on because he's still going to get those types of looks. You just hope that he's able to knock them down a little bit more consistently because I do think once he does, it'll really start to like drive that confidence in him and he'll be able to do some of the, the off-ball stuff, or not necessarily off-ball stuff, but just some of the stuff that we like to see from him in his game, whether that be in transition or cutting to the rim um, or, as you mentioned, you know, uh, on the glass. There's just more... That, that he can do. I just want to see it more consistently. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I think he's been better just along the perimeter. You know, we've, there's been a lot of talk about him just kind of standing in the corner, um, whether, and whether that's kind of his fault or, or the coach's fault or, or what, what it, whatever it is. Um, you know, that's the reality is like, that's kind of the nature of, like NBA basketball, you always have at least one guy sitting in the corner, spacing the floor, and and Dwayne Casey's offense is definitely kind of predicated on that. Sometimes there's there's two guys in the corner, and you know you you have some sort of action that that initiates the play, and those guys cut towards the hoop, they move move back up towards you know the top of the perimeter, based on the action, and and I don't think Seku is always really read those those um those plays or those those schemes super well in his career but I've seen him do it a little bit better they've also moved him a little bit more out to the top um, of the perimeter he's he's been used as a screener or kind of a a decoy screen in on, on a couple occasions um, and that's kind of unlocked him a little bit more especially in terms of just attacking closeouts and you know regardless of whether, he's making shots or not. He's, he's a willing shooter. Like we, we definitely know that. And like NBA players are going to close out on willing shooters because they know that NBA players are good and they can make open shots if you give them enough looks. Um, So 
I, I do think that 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 has been something that that I've noticed um, that that's been a positive for Seku. I, I think he's maybe he's picking things up. Maybe it's you know putting him in different situations. I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, but regardless, it's it's something I would like to definitely continue to see for the rest of the year to to really see what we can what we can uh, get out of of Seku. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said. And he's going to get – the Pistons have what – I think you mentioned it earlier, 19 games left this season. So there's still going to be plenty of games, plenty of minutes for him to sort of string this all together. And I think there's still a part of this where this roster just still – there's just so many guys that are in and out right now that uh, any semblance of consistency will be beneficial to all of these guys. So – Killian playing more with Seku, Seku playing more with Killian. Um, just them sort of like f- figuring out what the end of this sort of season, because it seems like this season has gone in like different stints of who is playing, who is not playing. Um, and as Casey sort of figures that out, I think a lot of these guys, even if it's not going to reflect too well or too much in, in the the win column, um, you're, you're going to be able to see them put together some more solid performances um, just just consistently and and just better because right now there hasn't been a ton to be s- super jacked about from from any of these guys in, in like one particular game. There's been just flashes here and there, which I think has kind of been the narrative so far when talking about Killian Hayes and Seiko Duboya. Um, sorry, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And it – I'm reminded of it every time I look at the every time I pull up the the Pistons lineup rosters or the line the, their lineup page on on NBA.com, um, and I'm sure this is a more normal thing this year with COVID um, and and all the complications that it's brought. And you have a condensed season. Um, you know, any guesses right now, uh, David? They, the Pistons have one lineup that has over a hundred minutes, one five man lineup that has over a hundred minutes, which, which is wild. Um, that's just not something you'd see in a normal, normal season. Um, and any guesses as to what that five man lineup is. Okay. So, and, and that's not including obviously anything to do with who's currently on the team right now. Right. This, this is all year. So all year they've had one lineup that's oh, played okay. 178 minutes. Um, Jeremy Grant and, uh, okay. Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant, uh, Mason Plumley, um, DeLon Wright and Wayne Ellington. Uh, so you're, you're four for five. Um, Sadiq, Sadiq Bay is not in there. Um, oh, okay. Blake Griffin is Blake oh, Griffin is. <laughs> <laughs> and then and Wayne Ellington. Yes, and and Blake Griffin, he's let's see, his next the next most used lineup with Blake is is six. So, you know, it's that's just that, that in and of itself is kind of wild. Um, that and he got traded in like fucking December or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, he he got he actually got bought out, but it's been so long. It's been so long that we forgot that even. Um, yeah, it's He's Duncan now. It's like everything's going crazy. <laughs> it's been a it's been a wild wild year for sure. All right, so let's move on to a, a new topic. This is just a little bit of a tank update. And just a heads up for all of you, uh, 
I am finishing up or I will be writing and posting sometime this week the final Tank Commander series, uh, which kind of goes a little bit more into following the teams that are around Detroit at the bottom of the NBA standings. So we just wanted to do a quick update on kind of where everything stands right now uh, when it comes to the bottom of the NBA. And and how that's obviously going to reflect who drafts where and who has the best chance of getting Cade Cunningham. So just a reminder for everyone, the most that you can drop is four spots. So as is, right now Detroit has the third worst record in the NBA the farthest that they could drop would be seventh. And as Matt had mentioned earlier, you should go back and listen to uh, our previous episode uh, where we had on Adam Spinella and talk the NBA draft because we do talk about the top five guys who are really hopeful that Detroit will be able to land one of those guys. But at the end of the day, there is a certainly a reality out there where Detroit may fall um, you know, f- farther than... Those top five right now would be possibly as low as seven. So I just wanted to know who is in front of us and what their sort of most difficult schedule remaining looks like or or the difficulty of their schedule remaining. Um, So right now the Timberwolves are dead last. They're 14 and 41. They have the 10th most difficult schedule remaining. A game to circle was May 11th. The Pistons have a game against the Timberwolves in Detroit. There could be some Cade implications there. Um, next, the Rockets, 14-40. and 40. They have the most difficult schedule remaining. Um, the Rockets play the T-Wolves on April 27th, so that has some tank implications as well. The Pistons right now are 16-38. and 38. They have the 19th most difficult schedule remaining. Uh, the Pistons have a tanktastic game coming up on May 3rd against the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Orlando Magic, who are only a game up on Detroit in the standings right now, um, they're sitting at 17 and 37. They have the 23rd most difficult schedule remaining. Um, and then lastly is the Cavaliers. They're 19 and 34. They have the 25th most difficult schedule remaining. The Pistons, as currently stands, have a three and a half game bump on them for the worst record in the Eastern Conference. So, with all that being said, right now, it is really looking to shake out as like those four teams Timberwolves, Rockets, Pistons, and Magic. And it really does seem like. The Timberwolves and Rockets are, are pretty solidly going to be the the worst and second worst team uh, in the NBA with the Pistons and Magic behind them. But who knows? I mean, th- that's really where everything sort of sits right now. Um, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it seems like at worst <clears throat> the Pistons are going to get to are going to be the fourth. Uh, fourth worst in, in the league. Uh, it would, I think, be tough for Cleveland or the Thunder to catch them. They're four and five games back in the the loss column, with <clears throat> around eighteen games left. So, so that's a that's a lot of ground to make up. The Pistons are still going to lose plenty of games as they have all year. Um, 
but even if they they dropped a fourth, if if you look at the tankathon um, percentages, I know the number one overall percentages are correct. I, th- I I have no reason to doubt that the top four percentages are correct. Um, they would still have a, a 12.5% chance at the number one overall pick. That's only 1.5% lower than, than if they were first, second, or third. And to get into the top four, they would have a 48% chance, which is only four, uh, 4% worse than first, second, or third. So it, it's, I mean, obviously you would, you would love to be number one, so you can't fall past five, which is kind of the magic number in this draft seemingly. But even, you know, just from a top four, top or number one overall perspective, if they dropped a four, it's it's really not that big of a deal. It's 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 very small percentage points that you're talking about. Yeah, I, I think that's really important to note. And uh in in all reality, there's no way the Pistons are going to be catching up to the Timberwolves and Rockets, anyways, at this point. So what really is most important is just lottery luck honestly the the it's it's going to come down to lottery luck whether or not the pistons are able to jump up or the what they're you're hopeful you're most hopeful of is that they just don't fall too much cuz right now as i said furthest they could fall is 7th and and as it's starting to sort of shape out it seems like the furthest that they're actually going to be able to fall when this is all said and done would be 8th so at the end of the day it's just leaving it up to to the 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 lottery gods and hoping that they will forgive Detroit for the Darko Milicic uh, mistake, <laughs> um, you know, some 17 years ago. Uh, but uh, but that's really all it's going to come down to. You know, we're going to be w- watching with pin on pins and needles, watching the the draft lottery, um, just because, as you mentioned, Matt, and pointed out, there's not going to be that much difference. Um, when it comes to some abilities for some of these teams ability to, to move up and down, it's just, you're hoping you're not the team that moves down. Like that's really all it comes down to. And that's, you know, Detroit has essentially done what they're supposed to do this year. They are one of the worst teams. They put themselves in good position to get one of these top guys. And you just kind of hope that that's the way that it plays out. Yep, absolutely. And I, and I would know um, 538's projections have them tied with the magic for third worst at 23 and 49. So, you know, there, there is a chance that they, they keep that, that three seed, the magic of they've been blown out several times recently, but they were also playing some kind of relatively close games. They want to, didn't they, they beat the Clippers, I think, didn't they? They beat um, the lake or did they beat the lake? I don't know, man. My, 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 mind's <laughs> mush. Um, it's not, it's not important, but they, you know, that, that stuff just happens. Um, you know, if they just have a, a, uh, a week week's worth of hot shooting. Um, you know, the Pistons could, could certainly hold on to that, that three seed or that, that third overall slot pretty easily. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see, um, you know, it's, you, you don't want the team to the players to stop trying. That's not, that's not going to happen. And we've seen this team play hard. So I suspect they're going to drop to fourth, but you, you really never know. You never know. And um, you know what? I, I think that that should probably wrap it up for this episode. You know, right now, I think that uh, we got some games to be watching. Um, there is uh, there's certainly going to be some some more snippets to sort of pick up on as this uh, uh, season continues. And then hopefully whenever that I need to look that up, actually, whenever that uh, 
lottery draft is, uh, we will certainly be covering that. But uh, yeah, Matt, I don't really have anything else. Do you? No, you, you might you might have to text me or message me the the results of the dra- the lottery because I think I'm going to be too nervous to even watch. Uh, I don't I don't I don't I don't know that I'm going to be even able to to handle it. Yeah, you might want to stay off Twitter for sure because I'll probably I stay off. <laughs> I'll only stay on Twitter if it's good, awesome results. Uh, if it's bad results, then I'm certainly going to be putting my phone away because it just depresses me. Uh, but yeah, so this is Inside the Cylinder, all new episodes on DetroitBadBoys.com, on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast stream, which you can find on all your normal streaming services. Uh, I personally use Spotify. Uh, and uh, Matt is over at WayMattH on Twitter. That's the handle. I'm at the underscore financial. Inside the Cylinder is at Inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R. And we will catch you all next week. Peace.